Haha, <laughs> Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> We're nothing if not biased here at Artificial Turf Wars. <laughs> Do you come out and you don't feel like eating dinner because it's 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night? <laughs> and you've been eating all day? <laughs> it's all... <laughs> See what the crowd is doing, then pick a sound. <laughs> That's your do-over. You do that, we're all good. And welcome to episode number 74 of the Artificial Turf Wars podcast, where we play out the string like a herd of kittens. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by Josh Housem. How's it going, Josh? Good, you? Wonderful, wonderful, because the Jays are on, improbably, a four-game winning streak, uh, which we're going to talk about Joe Biagini's performance in this game, even though he didn't get the W tonight that we, uh, of course, we're recording Tuesday night. Uh, the Jays just went on a walk-off. Uh, we're going to talk about the call-ups, all of whom seem to have an important role in said walk-off. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, they, they're playing them all the time. Poor Aaron Sanchez had to call it a season, but uh, Russell Martin is back. And then uh, Ross Atkins went on the radio, said some things about the Jays' strategy in the offseason, a couple other things about the organization that that uh, were kind of interesting. The 2018 tentative schedule, as they call it, has been announced, uh, which uh, has a couple new spins on it for the Blue Jays. We have your questions. Uh, we have a do-over from Josh, who's who's got one in mind. Uh, I do not have a category for the thing I'm going to talk about on ESPN, but I'm sure we will get to it because it's so weird. I It's things I wish we were a video podcast for. Let me put it that way. Uh, yeah, that, that'll get us off and running. Four-game winning streak, Josh. Uh, did I, I haven't looked it up. I feel like the last four-game game winning streak was in May. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a betting person, I think that's probably where you'd lay the odds. That's that's very bad when you get right down to it. That's... Yeah, especially when, as we're recording this, the Clevelandians just finished off their 20th straight win. Which uh, is surreal. I was <clears throat> on a baseball hiatus when Oakland did the 20-game win thing, so I've never really watched something like that build in the, you know, in the baseball buzz world. So that that's just, it's surreal, really. It's just like, really? You can win 20 games in a row in this game? With all of the weird pitching changes and ballparks and opponents, and it just blows my mind. So just before we go back into the Blue Jays, what would you consider more improbable? Winning 20 in a row or doing what the Dodgers are doing? Uh, what, a team that has both won 15 of 16 and lost 15 of 16 in the same season? Even cutting out the first part, a team that was as good as the Dodgers or close to it, even just like a very good team losing this many games in a row. I feel like that's actually more likely than what Cleveland is doing because huh. you can look at, at any team and although it may not be the reason that the Dodgers are failing, I think you can look at any team and you can say, well, injuries or schedule or weather can be really tilted against them, right? You can't suddenly get better in a baseball season other than perhaps a lot of luck and, and a lot of skilled players hitting their peak at the same. That's luck too. But you can... There's some very real things that can knock you on your on your behind and you not recover from. You could lose like two star players and well, the Blue Jays went through a period what in 2012 where they lost 60 percent of their rotation in four days. 
five days, but yes. <laughs> so right there, there's a thing where you could you could have a very good team reliant heavily on its starting rotation, and then all of a sudden has no depth and could conceivably lose ten games in a row just trying to scramble for that. That's why I think it's more likely to to go bad all of a sudden than to than to have everything go perfectly. All right. I kind of agree. I was just curious. Um, so you want to go back to the exciting Blue Jays and their four-game win streak? <laughs> hey, Jays, they okay. did beat Baltimore twice, which is always fun. It's it's just nice because uh, really, it's not a rivalry if you're not each winning some games. <laughs> and Baltimore had the upper hand there for the first part of the season. So, and and Baltimore is still technically within sniffing distance of a playoff spot. Though I'm gonna technically is is printed in big bold letters they're only two games ahead of the blue jays i think so i mean big bold quadruple underline italics yeah the blue jays though still still in last as has been the case literally all year that's kind of amazing in itself with how weird the al east has been that they never did manage to drag themselves out of the absolute basement let's talk about yeah. joe biagini he, He's he, had kind of a weird season. As this, <laughs> I mean, he he went back into the rotation on I think it was August, late August, August twenty seventh or so against the Twins, and he gave up five runs and didn't get out of the fourth. It's like oh, okay, and then he went seven shutout innings against Baltimore, ten strikeouts, and it was like oh okay, and then he <laughs> gave up five and three and a third against the Red Sox. Uh, yeah, and then you start thinking, well, okay, um, something's going on here. It's not all good. No, and then today, as we record, we just fit the game just finished as we're recording this. Eight innings, two runs. Which I mean, the the second run was a home run, but the first one was a flare hit. No walks. It's what you want, but it's also against Baltimore again, the team that he had success against the previous time. So does he just match up really well against Baltimore? <laughs> maybe and it is easy to not walk the Orioles because you gotta try really hard to do that it's like a whole team of Kevin Pillars yeah I mean some of them make Kevin Pillar look patient <laughs> Adam Jones oh man it's yeah, these guys just like to swing but yeah I wonder if that's telling in any way that he does well against these teams that are impatient because he's got good stuff and they'll swing at those pitches that are on the corners or just off the plate and hit those weak grounders, whereas the teams that are more patient, like Boston, for example, mm-hmm. will wait till he leaves one over the middle and crush it. And and that could be, it could prove true. I think we, we don't have enough of a sample to say right now. Of no, course. of course not. No, no. And, you know, it's worth mentioning that when he went into the rotation the first time, his first few times through, he was actually very, very good. Mm. Again, it's it's been very up and down for Mr. Biagini. <laughs> Up and down to AAA, <laughs> up and down in terms of ERA, up and down with the number of homers he's given up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, he's, he's going to be someone who's going to be important to the Jays, I think, next year, no matter where he is, though, whether he's in the bullpen or in the rotation. So uh, knowing that you might be able to do both either with him is super important. Yeah, I, I would honestly hope that he starts the season in the AAA rotation. As real depth? Not Matt Latos depth. Yeah. Actually, there's a chance the Jays could have some real depth next year, you know, with Ryan Barucki looking like he's going to be pretty much ready. But, and uh, Chris Rowley, same kind of thing. Like, if you had those three guys, 
in AAA. And then try to bring back Estrada and uh, Brett Anderson. Do something like that, you know? And then when Brett Anderson inevitably gets injured, you can call on Joe Biagini. But I would love to see them have the kind of depth where they actually have real pitchers in AAA as opposed to, like you said, Matt Latos and Mike Bolsinger, a friend of the podcast, but I'm still saying this anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's, yeah, it's true. You, You need to figure out something for those inevitable injuries that does not have waiver wire written on it, potentially, if you, if you want a real chance. I also wanted to observe that, although I do not personally care about pitcher wins, that Joe Biagini pitched in... He pitched eight innings, right? Eight full. Yep. Gave up only two runs and had no path to win this game. <laughs> yeah, the guy who got the win pitched through four pitches. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay sorry joe your best start of the year yeah i'm afraid you're just gonna have to remember it <laughs> there'll be nothing on the stat line to help you out there we saved you from yeah. the l yeah um, exactly that, that's yeah, your got reward the hook. no l <laughs> <laughs> joel be a gd um going back to the step thing though just beyond be genie specifically I think a big part of the reason the Jays had so much trouble with that this year, they had five guys locked into their rotation going into the season. And there was really no question about who they were. And I think that makes it very hard to attract depth free agents to take minor league deals that have any quality because they know that unless someone gets hurt, they're not going to get a chance. So they'd rather go to a team that, hey, they can win a job in spring training. Mm hmm. Yeah, who wants so, to, yeah, I get it. Who wants to wait until May or June for an injury that might happen, whereas you might start making money right out of spring training? Right, exactly. And I think that the, that becomes a big problem when you don't have guys that you've developed that are going to be ready, which obviously was the case with the Blue Jays. There was nobody in the upper minors that was any good. But next year, like like I mentioned, those three guys, Rowley, potentially be a genie, rookie and then who knows what happens with Connor Green and Sean Reed Fuller the Jays could actually have real depth without having to go find some guy to take whatever little money they'll throw at them or or literally look at blank 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 and blank as they had done the previous yeah. season <laughs> <laughs> so the, you're talking about young guys so let's talk about the call-ups so primarily we are watching Teoscar Hernandez Richard Urena is it Urena or Urania what like I'm pretty sure it's Urania yeah, which is weird because that's not how it's spelled, but I will trust you because that seems to be the way lots of people are saying it. Uh, who else are we looking at that's fresh, new, tasty? <laughs> well, I think on the pitching side, Carlos Ramirez is the guy we should talk about too because he still mm-hmm. hasn't given up a run this season. Why would you give up runs? It's true. It's, I it's like a... that. All the, all the other pitchers <laughs> have this philosophy. Just don't give up runs. They could learn from this guy. The strategy of giving up runs from time to time is just silly. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I like this strategy. I'm a big fan. Uh, yeah, so that was 45 minor league innings and what, eight major league innings now that he's up to or something? Or or is it 34 in the minor? I, I think it's 45 combined. Combined. 45 innings with a Zippo ERA. It's amazing. And that's ridiculously hard to do. I don't care how lucky you are. Well, and he does not have, from all int- intents and purposes, uh, it's not like he's throwing Aroldis Chapman fastballs or, uh, you know, wipeout sliders per se. Like, you don't, this is something that came up when Atkins was talking. You don't look at him and go, well, obviously he's sitting everybody down. <laughs> he's just. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get to those those comments in more depth later. But 
Well, one thing that I have noticed with watching him, he his slider has extreme lateral movement, by, by which I mean compared to other pitchers. It's not like it's moving 9, 10 inches, but it doesn't drop almost at all. So it's a Frisbee. It's a pure Frisbee slider. And with the angles coming from, I think that makes it really tough to hit because it looks so much like his fastball until it breaks. And that you may be right because uh, 45 innings worth of batters have not had any real success against his little... And again, this is a guy who, I, if you weren't listening last week, was a position player and yeah. wasn't going to make the major leagues that way, so reluctantly took on pitching and decided that he would try and be a two-pitch pitcher and see whether he could do this or not. So he is strictly fastball slider. There is There is no ace up his sleeve in terms of fooling batters yeah and it's working <laughs> uh did we do have we seen santos was that the other pitcher who got called up luis You're santos. About luis santos luis. yes yeah he hasn't thrown very much so it's i actually haven't had a chance to get a good look at him which is good i guess because that means we haven't been blowing through millions of pitchers they finally got out of that extra innings rut that they were in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. Um, but it just with Santos, though, he's thrown eight innings, but it's only been three games. So if he didn't happen to catch those any of those games, you would have missed it. Because he is a starter as a as a minor leaguer, right? That's yep. So he was he's being brought in as a long man for multiple innings stints when something goes not so well, or when they're in extra innings. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And he, he wasn't that good in the minors. He gets some strikeouts, but he's not. Nothing about his numbers suggests that he's a guy. But I don't know. We'll see. I think I think you bring up a couple of extra arms in the Blue Jays situation just so you don't end up with someone injured from overuse. Is my guess. Yeah. Since yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely the case. It just you know it's like okay, we got all the arms possible. So if we go. 500 innings or 19 as the case may be you have arms so unofficially tonight the jays were carrying four catchers yeah which is fine when it's september because you know it's september uh or do we want to i, I suppose we should touch on teoscar hernandez and we also didn't talk about urania we just you just said his name okay so Urania <laughs> is uh, hitting better than he's hit in the minor leagues, which tells us that probably this is not really how well Urania hits. Yes, with a caveat. The, so Richard Urania is ridiculously young. He's 20, 21. 21. I thought he was, okay. I thought he was 22, but I'll believe you. And then he turns 22 in February, I think. Mm. But... He has shown success before in the minors. I mean, in Dunedin last year, before getting the call to New Hampshire, which and at 20, he's still young for the league. Oh, yeah. He hit 305 with a 351 on base and a 447 slugging. That's pretty darn good. But since we are talking about uh, Bobachet at 19 as one of the youngest players in the league, and the only reason he's one of the youngest is because Vlad is 18 and in that same league and, and is stupidly young. Uh, yeah. I, for context right yeah that is actually very useful context so you know there is reason to believe that there is some hitting talent there he's not going to be a power hitter he doesn't walk much I mean, he's in fact quite impatient he only had 30 walks all season in the minors but he has decent enough bat to ball skills and 
I think it's also worth noting that he's only started switch hitting two years ago. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, so as he learns to do that better, and he's a natural left-handed hitter. Usually guys who are natural lefties don't start switch hitting. But he wanted to get better against left-handed pitching, so he started hitting right. And, well, he got that single against Zach Britton today, which was very nice because <laughs> Orioles. But... <laughs> <laughs> We're nothing if not biased here at Artificial Turf Wars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I do think expecting him to be like this right away now next year is crazy uh, or at least unrealistic but that doesn't mean it might not be something like what he could be at his very best if he ever gets there well that that's the old adage is don't believe anything you see in april or september and and the reason of course in september is is because you're playing teams that may or may not be staffing their pitching staff with major league quality pitchers depending on where they are in a race and may or may not be, you know, on the flip side, they, they may be doing what the Jays are doing, playing a whole bunch of youngsters to uh, give them a cup of coffee and or showcase them for other teams who they may be looking to, you know, trade people with. God forbid you trade Richard Urania, but it's always possible. Yeah, and that's very true. And also, it's worth mentioning, we're talking about nine games. It's not like <laughs> mm-hmm. the numbers, if he goes 0 for 8 in his next two games, his numbers are going to look terrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's super small uh, samples. So Tay Oscar is also Mr. Super Small Sample Size, uh, but he's been fun. He had a two-home he run night. Fun. Yeah, he did. One of the Monopoly job, too. So, it, you know, it, it looks like he could hold his own as a, as a fourth outfielder for sure. I have a feeling the Jays are going to try and let him play somewhere. Uh, full-time if they can't find anybody in the offseason? Yeah, I, I think that if they can't, it's going to be him and Alfred competing for a job, and one of them will take it, and the other one will either be a first call-up or the backup. But one thing, you, you mentioned these two home runs. The at-bat that impressed me the most, though, was the one tonight against Zach Britton. Aha, Orioles, haha. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a one-note <laughs> symphony in here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great note. <laughs> <laughs> so Britain quickly got him 0-2, even though the first pitch should not have been a strike. But you know, this Hernandez is known as a guy who has a lot of swing and miss in his game, and he does. We've seen that with him up at the team. He's still striking out a pretty fair amount. But when he got to two strikes in that spot with a runner on first base, he cut his swing down immeasurably. Almost no stride and just threw his hands at the ball and shot it to the right side. I mean, yes, Britain left the pitch up and made it more easy to hit. But the approach was fantastic. And seeing a guy actually do that in a key spot, it's not something we've seen much of this year. It, it's been a criticism we've thrown at the Blue Jays a lot. Even guys who should know better. You know, you, you need to have some kind of two-strike approach. And uh, yeah, for him to, to do that as a, as a young player, it's what you want to see. You want to see someone with his head in the game, right? Not trying to hit the walk-off home run all the time. Yeah, and this is not us advocating for small ball or anything like that. It's just adjusting to the game situation and changing your approach accordingly. The one wow. of the best hitters in baseball, Joey Votto, does this. So it's not like it's a bad thing. <laughs> what was Joey Votto's four, four choke-up positions? Uh, regular. What was it? I can't remember the third one. Just go to the good one. Well, his fourth position is Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's like halfway up the bat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. 
so I was sorry. I was got ahead of us. I, can we, can I go to four catchers now? Go for it. Okay, so the four catchers are now officially, even though he wasn't going to play tonight. Russell Martin, Rafi Lopez, Luke Mele, and Miguel Montero. It's a lot of catchers. Yeah. So you got one who can, in theory, do everything, which is the guy you just got back. You got two who can play defense but not hit. And then you got one who can hit but not play defense. Um, Luke Mele, though, proved, me, proved us all wrong by hitting an absolute rocket at third base in the ninth inning tonight to help that little rally along. Yeah, if you had asked me what the likely outcome of that plate appearance was going to be, I would not have suggested <laughs> a bullet down the line. I mean, Machado getting a glove on that was amazing. I mean, he's an unbelievable third baseman. But if he doesn't, then we actually don't get the chance to talk about Richard Urena getting the hit off Britain because the game is probably over right there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh because it's kicking around and it's in the corner somewhere. And uh, God forbid, they have fast runners on the bases at that point. <laughs> I know. What's going on? And it's sad now that when an average runner appears fast to me, that's the real sadness. Yeah. Although, you know, Hernandez was not, he was out. He had been forced on Darwin Barney's ground ball. He looks like he's actually got some wheels. So I'm looking at Darwin Barney, Kevin Pillar, and... And thinking, hey, we got some speed on the bases. Although, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pilar's not bad, but come on. Uh, another one, sorry, just again, going back to Urania again, too. He's very aggressive, stretching singles to doubles. And no, it didn't work out in the first <laughs> inning of the, the ninth inning. Or Eight. what innings of the eighth inning? Yeah. But yes, yesterday's game, so this would have been Monday's game. He did do it on a ball that I was at this game, and I couldn't believe he went for second, and he made it easily. So, yeah, you see guys for the first time and you, you know, that doesn't show up, I don't think, really on any stat line is is how a guy approaches the game. So I that's the fun part of September. Yeah, that's the only thing worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Martin coming back, of course, we are talking about Sanchez being shut down. Yeah. That was not... A nice thing to see. Well, there was hope that he could come back and just pitch out of the bullpen so he could get something going into next season. But apparently he's a finger strain from trying to deal with the blister. That was completely unreported. And then they kind of snuck out the back door. The Blue Jays PR was like, <clears throat> we'd like to announce he's done for the season. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The, the tweet beat the beat writers to the punch. It's, it's bad. It's, yeah, not the way you want to go about announcing these things um yeah the whole thing's just a sad saga yeah it, it's of all the things that we thought was going to happen this year that's probably among the least likely i mean if you told me that aaron sanchez was going to take a step back or have some issues with his arm or something like that because he threw so many innings last year i wouldn't have called that crazy because he's a pitcher but yeah. to throw, what was it, 35 innings? 36? 30, yeah, 36. Because of constant blister problems? Oh, just awful. Yeah, and now yeah, because of that finger strain, they told him he's not even supposed to grip anything. Now that's uh, kind of rude sounding, but isn't. <laughs> He he can't even do. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, just you cut out for a second there, and then I heard what you said. <laughs> he, he can't even do exercises like if you were wanting to do a bicep curl, 
with that arm. He's not supposed to grip the bar. And he's right-handed. I mean, he probably does most things, non-dirty version, with his right hand. <laughs> oh, well, we'll leave that right there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see him next year, and we'll see what's happened. That's basically where we're at, right? Yeah, that's where we're at, which is not pleasant. Uh, indeed, no. Uh, Ross Atkins had a, had a chit-chat with Mike Wilner because... Who doesn't love to go on the Jays talk? <laughs> Just made me think of the Jays talk callers. <laughs> <laughs> they love it. Uh, we have to listen. Well, no, we don't have to listen. That's the truth. We do not have to listen. I make a practice of not doing that. So Atkins, overall impression, I, he and Shapiro both seem like people very much on the ball. I don't know how else to describe. I don't know where the hate comes from for these two guys. Well, I I think it's pretty simple to say where it comes from. It's they're not Alex Anthopoulos, and he's the guy who got them to the postseason, right? The Toronto boy, and then all these Clevelanders coming in, taking the. They're pretty good at what they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, the team they built, because you you can't think that in the last eighteen months Cleveland has acquired a massive influx of talent. <laughs> the team they built. 85 to 90% of just won its 20th game in a row. After going to game seven of the World Series. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, they, they <laughs> might know what they're doing with this baseball thing. It's crazy, that. Yeah. They do seem very in tune, though, now with... I, like, I got the impression in the first year or so that there was a lot of sort of... Um, I don't know how to put it. They didn't want to rub the people who were there the wrong way. Not not the fans in that, but it almost seemed like they were kind of talking to the organization when they talked to the media. Because they knew that they weren't going to fire every scout and every coach and every manager in the system and replace them with their own guys. That's crazy. So walking in as the new boss, the, you know, the CEO, so to speak, of an existing organization that, that had a lot of good pieces in it, but needing to change some things. They didn't want to, you know, jump in and say, well... Y'all have to change everything. And I, I got that impression. It seems a bit more relaxed when they talk now. Yeah, I, I actually think it's a pretty fair assessment. They can just speak a little more freely. They've established themselves as the guys. And so there's no walking on any eggshells. And they talked about a lot of players, which, you know, player talk. And Andrew Stoughton actually had a good breakdown of this on his site. So you should read it there, too. But it's Blue Jays Nation talk, if you're looking for Blue it. Blue Jays Nation. Yeah, we should probably say the name of it. It's. You know, it, it can be meaningful or not. I mean, it's hard to really know when a GM is buttering a guy up or when he's being honest, although it did seem like he was being mostly forthcoming. But the stuff about team building philosophy was interesting. There's a lot of he's talking about these players that they'd like to get, right? These young, versatile switch hitters with speed. You know, that's what they did in Cleveland, right? Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, if you're talking about that player, he, he uses Ben Zobras, but Jose Ramirez, Ramirez. is... <laughs> that to a T. <laughs> yeah, and they've, and he's not. Again, he he made it clear that you don't go out and get that in free agency, and and the reason you don't get it in free agency is because everyone covets it in free agency. So yeah, it costs a fortune. Yeah, so I think people also get thrown off by this whole. Well, is it? It's we don't want to be a small budget team because they were a, you know they brought them into pinch pennies in Toronto because they did it in Cleveland. I don't think that's it at all. I think this is this is a little bit like Billy Bean getting a job to run the, the Red Sox on a smaller scale. That is to say, 
hey, we like what you did. Would you like a little more financial freedom while you do it? Because we know we can get people into this ballpark if you do it right. Yeah, and I think if you want to use one an actual act, try that again. An example that actually happened, Friedman to the Dodgers. Right. It's it's the same idea. It's like, we know you can do this small, now do it big. And, and you know, when it comes to these guys, uh, where we've talked about Rainier a couple times now, and that's kind of the ideal of they're talking about, right? Yeah, you're trying to develop a player that can do something for you in a variety of ways. You're trying to stay away from the one-dimensional player, and and you have to do that through scouting and through development and through uh, you know international uh, drafting. Everything you're trying to really search out people and find them in as many different places as possible in as many different ways as possible to make sure you have the right fit. So, yeah. I, w- give them a few years. See what they get. I I think it's very difficult for anyone to change regimes and come up with a seamless transition that results in a World Series in a year or two. That's very hard to do. You need to be lucky. Yeah. And we're seeing the efforts now, and hopefully it works out. All right, let's talk about the schedule. Yeah, the most fun thing ever. 2018 schedule. Tentative. <laughs> somebody Wait, is it tentative? Somebody tweeted if they call it the the tentative schedule. And I guess technically they're still free to change anything, so it's the tentative schedule at this point, but it's the official tentative schedule, so we'll go with that. <laughs> the official tentative schedule. I like that. So first of all, everybody starts on the same day next year, which is pretty cool. On a Thursday. Presumably because you have to work in a rain date for everybody, right? Yeah, I guess. It's, it, it is kind of cool, and it's in March, too. This is part of the new, one of the new quirks of the CBA. The season is now, I think it's four days longer. Five days? Four or five? I can't remember exactly the number. So they're starting on March 29th. 29th yeah i think that's right seems to stick in my craw as the right date but yeah um do the reds actually still start the season first they haven't been doing that the last couple of years oh i don't know yeah it used to be a thing they'd start the first season first every year right because they were the first team in the national league that's if anybody's wondering why it's the cincinnati yeah. reds of all people <laughs> <laughs> seems random but it's not it's based on on there being the the whatever 1869 or whatever they were the first team in the national league and they're still around um but i don't know who starts first but nevertheless i really do not like because the jays usually do get pushed back a day or two because they are not a marquee matchup uh i like the idea of having them start with everybody else not having to watch some baseball game i'm not particularly interested in just to satisfy my thirst for baseball yeah, and I, I'm right there with you. And nothing note, they're back to the afternoon opener. Cool. They're, they're opening at home against the Yankees at 3.37 p.m. Very interesting. I, I presume that has something to do with the spread out open, uh, games running all day on opening day. Because obviously, if you're the guy running the TV schedule on that day, you want to get as many eyeballs on as many games as possible. Yeah, but they used to do this all the time, though. The, the Jays opening day used to always start at 4. Mm. Yeah, and I don't remember the reason for it or why they went away from it, but it's kind of neat to see it back just because it feels 
kind of like a throwback, even though even if it's just a random fluke. We're actually going to get a lot of that uh, four o'clock thing all of a sudden. Saturday. We are. What's your feeling on that? I am an out-of-towner. I have to drive two hours to get to Toronto. So day games on the weekend, if I'm going to go, I would much rather they start at one o'clock because I can get to Toronto, I can grab a bite to eat, and then I can go into the stadium and I can still be home even in early spring or late fall, well before dark. So from my perspective, 4 p.m. stinks. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I think it, a lot of it is geared to out-of-towners, but the out-of-towners from Mississauga or Brampton, not from London, where you are currently situated. Mm-hmm. I don't like it either. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I like being able to come out of a game after – you know, at three thirty or four or four thirty, depending on how who they're playing, and it's still sunny out, and I can go sit on a patio and have something to eat or drink or whatever, as opposed to, oh crap, I'm right into my evening plans now. Yeah, and when do you eat? Other than at the ballpark, which is a dangerous and/or expensive proposition. Um, but how how do you entertain yourself before and afterwards when the game starts at four? I'm always been curious about that find out because <laughs> i mean you you can't eat a big meal before you go into the ballpark that would be silly at three thirty. so then you kind of munch on something in the ballpark but then if you've munched on too much you come out and you don't feel like eating dinner because it's seven thirty or eight o'clock at night <laughs> and you've been eating all day <laughs> it's, oh it's just eating dinner at 10 yeah it's not <laughs> ideal maybe i think too much with my stomach who knows uh the blue jays do get a couple of perks that we always hope for so they get the canada day game at home uh they get the mother's day and the father's day game at home as well which is nice victoria day they do not it's an off day i think shrug emoji (laughs) (laughs) they also move kind kind of silly yeah i don't i don't think they know what victoria day is (laughs) when they make the schedule Okay, but that's bad, right? I mean, if they don't know what a, a national holiday is. Uh, yeah, I get the sense, schedule makers. It's just a fluke when the Jays get the, the home Canada Day game sometimes, it seems like. It's like, really? Like, nobody else needed to play at home on Canada Day. It wasn't like you had 28, 29 other teams going, hey, we want the gate on this, on this yeah. non-holiday. Yeah, I mean, the ultimate horrible example of that is when they played the Expos in Puerto Rico. it's like what are you doing (laughs) i felt very much like there was a period of time after the jays won the world series that major league baseball itself just wanted to give the finger to the jays as many times as possible if we had the do-over segment back then that would have just been like an ultimate epic do-over rant (laughs) what was that we're still talking about it. And that was in 2004. <laughs> Just before they killed the Expos. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so wrong. Uh, anything else about the 2018 skit? Oh, they moved Junior Jays. Of course, you can't have the kids Junior Jays Saturday running the bases at 7.30 in the evening. So they moved them to Junior Jays Sundays, mostly. Which, okay. I mean, whatever. whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. A funny, a funny quirk of the season, the, the Jays can't be overly thrilled with their September home games. 
in terms of drawing power if they're not in it. Tampa, Cleveland, Tampa, Houston. And it, how many is it against Tampa at the end of the season? It's something ridiculous. Like it's, between... four gamer, it's three games against Tampa, four against Cleveland, and then they go four, and then to end the season, it's four at home, and then three in Houston, and then three more on the road in Tampa. That's a lot of Tampa Bay Rays in September, to be honest. Ten games. Brutal. Oh, at wow. least only three of them are at the House of Horrors. Indeed, which hasn't been that bad to them lately, but we'll just keep calling it the House of Horrors because it's fugly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, I think we have wrapped that portion of our show up. We're just going to take a quick break, and we'll come back with some questions from you. And so it continues. It continues with us getting questions from you like so. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Then how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Alrighty. We have a few. We have a few. Uh, oh. Should we start with our, our uh, Major League contributor? Sure. So Josh, not you, at LouBrown34, asks, uh, five best baseball team logos currently in MLB. So we had a lot of questions about jerseys and things like that. Well, not just jerseys, but things about nothing to do with the Blue Jays. Of our five questions, one of them has to do with the Blue Jays, but that's okay. We're equal opportunity answerers here. <laughs> we made it quite clear how much, how deeply we care about how the season's going. So I think that might be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one time we're just like, screw this. We're talking baseball movies. That's a uh, tough question though. Five best logos. Ooh. I'm a big fan of... I like the Houston one. I like... The... I, you know, I like, I hate to say it, but like... You know, the Yankees are pretty classic. So it's, it's, hard, it's hard to go against that one. I like the Orioles when it had the ultimate super cartoony bird. The bird that, as, as uh, someone who tweeted from our main account said tonight, the, the bird that looks like he's helping you look for something that he just stole from you. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard for me to get to five. I, it all just depends on the mood at the time, I think. Uh, the Jays, the Dodgers, the Mariners, the current White Sox logo, not that weird retro round lettered one. I like the, the big print. Uh, oh, and the old school Brewers one. That's the best one yeah. by far. The retro Brewers logo is the it, it's it's either the best or second best logo ever in sports because the Hartford Whalers logo for how obscure a little team it was had the most awesome just design ever. But Milwaukee Brewers glove, totally there. Um, do the Mariners, I know the Mariners are wearing a retro jersey this year. Is the Mariners retro jersey hat the Mariners trident? Yes. Okay, then I put the Mariners on my list. <laughs> Brewers. Yeah, the, tri the, the trident's legit, but it's still an alternate hat. The main logo, although like, the Brewers are wearing the, uh, the MB hat most of the time now. Which is awesome. Even yeah, though the you're MB actually, glove, like my are, God, what a what a logo! You are prohibited from having a <clears throat> depiction of a baseball on your uniform according to the official rules. Really? Yes. 
Huh. <laughs> Don't know who they slud that one by. But so also... they do like the the head for like Mr. Met or the Reds <laughs> guy. Like they have baseball heads. But they're obscured by something, right? There's something in by front face. of them. <laughs> by face? Yes. The the Brewers one looks like a ball. Not that it's in a spot where you'd be throwing the ball from, but it's just sort of, it's funny. It's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I can imagine, though, if that rule wasn't there, some minor league team abusing that by just covering all over the logo. <laughs> all over the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Another pitcher's throw from funky angles. <laughs> you know that that rule only came into place because somebody tried painting a baseball in an in an inopportune spot on a uniform somewhere. And someone's, no, I can't do that. We've, we said it before, baseball's got to rule for everything. Yes. Uh, but here's the question. How did the Brewers ever leave that logo behind? Not a clue. Bud Selig? Jeez. Yeah, once Jeez, again. come out of the Hall of Fame just for that. <laughs> Shouldn't have gone in in the first place. <laughs> uh, what do we got next? All right, so this one comes in from... Connor Moore at the Seahound. Can you rank these players in terms of how many games you expect them to play at shortstop next season? This is with the Blue Jays. Because <laughs> if it's not, it'd be more confusing. Tulowitzki, Barney, Goins, and Urania. I would bet on Tulowitzki, Urania, Barney, Goins. Goins is out of options, right? He was out of options this year, too. I don't think Darwin Barney's even the team. I don't think Ryan Goins is going to be on the team. Right. But I, I would bet heavily, I, I would bet more money on Barney being gone than Goins, but really both of them should be gone. Yeah. But so, I think that's the right order, because I think if Tulewiski gets hurt substantially, it's Urania taking the job. It's not Goins. Well, or Barney yeah. or whoever is the backup. Yeah, let the kid play and see maybe he can do something, as opposed to whatever happened this year. <laughs> <laughs> and keep in mind that even now uh, Ryan Goins has to be pushed over to second base when Richard Urania is playing subtle hint as to who might be the better defender there you go many teams this is from Pitt which uh, Pitt actually has a, uh, a rude hand gesture in emoji beside his his name uh, at Phil Linden 17 Many teams wear a colored jersey over white or gray pants. How long until we see a white or gray jersey over colored pants? Hey, we're back at... Is Chris (laughs) Kramer around? (laughs) Hmm? Didn't the Oakland A's in the 70s wear a white shirt with yellow pants? Uh, Charlie Finley could have done that. I wouldn't... (laughs) And 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 the white socks with the red pants? He wanted an orange ball, didn't he? Like Charlie Finley did, yes. (laughs) Whatever. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the look. Would it surprise me at this point if it was the look? No, though it doesn't really sell you any more merchandise. So I don't think they're going to move there real fast. If the first thing to do is going to be the Diamondbacks, right? I mean, they're yep. already leaning in towards the awful direction. <laughs> I, I, that, their jersey looks like something that got lost on Retro Future Day 20 years ago and they dug it out of a, out of a trunk and they went oh yeah we could use these again but also it was like a pajamas promotion or something like that you know like selling merch <laughs> to the to the fans they just wore it on the field it's it ain't pretty uh so my principal concern though with with okay is it gonna go off funky is they're not gonna worry too much about the pants because nobody buys uniform pants and as much as we like to pretend 
that there's all kinds of things going on in terms of why they have all of these jerseys. The only reason that a team has any more than a home and an away jersey. In baseball, you don't even need a home and away jersey if you want to get technical. It's not like it's going to get confusing out there like hockey. It's to sell more jerseys. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if they can get people buying pants, absolutely, they're going to change the color of the pants. Lots. I'll move okay. on now. Uh, Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6 asks, who will you be cheering for in the postseason? Any predictions of who will win the World Series? Washington is my uh, is who I'll be cheering for because I just really love so many players on that team. Uh, predictions who's going to win? Uh, no. I have no idea. <clears throat> I will There's be, too many really good teams. I will be cheering for the Dodgers because uh, once in a while, money should be able to buy you happiness. And the Dodgers are the most expensive proof of that idea I've ever seen proposed. So I'm 100% in favor of, of them winning. Also, Believe it or not, they have the longest World Series drought going right now because they haven't won since 88, which sounds really strange. Longest World Series drought among teams that have won the World Series. Yes. Well, look, I'm going to be cheering for the <laughs> Rangers. Come on. Well, sure. Houston will make the postseason, as will Washington. <laughs> Neither of those teams has won a World Series. Still, my They're principal reason remains. <laughs> Actually, screw it. I want the Rockies to win the World Series just because it would be so great. It would, and I think there is not enough purple in uh, the baseball uniform world, by the way. <laughs> so we'd see a lot more of that. You want me to move on okay. to the next question? Is that what you're saying? Well, I just don't have anything else to say. It's a fun question. I just don't really know the answer yet. Uh, I would not predict a World Series winner ever myself. A, I predicted wrong too many times. B, it, it really is a crapshoot. Uh, Dylan Cochran asks at... D-Y-L-C-O-C-H. How long do you think it will be until more statistically knowledgeable people are much more commonplace in MLB booths? I think it's already happening. Mm -hmm. we, we've seen it with a lot of other broadcasts, not the Toronto one. But <laughs> Houston, I think, especially does this a lot. But there's a lot of, you know, quote-unquote advanced stats being used on broadcasts. I think that the traditional stats will always have a place just because that's what everybody will have grown up with, no matter when you change it. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's going to start, we're going to start seeing a lot more of the modern stats. We're even seeing it at the Dome. Like if you look at, up on the board at the, the Jumbotron, it's, it lists, you know, DRS leaders and things like that. So it's slowly but surely changing. I think, yeah, you've got the Houston broadcast that's oriented that way with a lot of <clears throat> um, statistical stuff displayed on screen. You have David Cohn, who's well-known in New York, I believe, um, for bringing, like, Fangraphs articles right onto the air. He's not afraid of touching on that stuff. Uh, that's a big market. So that means there's a lot of people hearing these terms over and over again. I think you also have Major League Baseball's very large investment now in StatCast, bigger than it ever was in PitchFX. They have a... They want to promote the product in a statistical way. So they're going to do everything they can to encourage teams to do the same thing, I think. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, yeah, does that mean that Buck and Pat are going to have their contract terminated early? No, because they like to make stuff up, like this week. And I wasn't going to make this a do-over, but I will mention it. They said that Ryan Goins' offensive performance has improved since he's gotten to play every day. 
Eh, wrong. <laughs> oh, question as usual from Quinn. Oh, wait. No, that's the wrong. That's last week. Did we get all of them? That's all of them, yeah. Why did I think that was only four? There were five. That concludes our question segment, doesn't it? It does. Thank you very much, well, everyone, for sending them in this week. It was nice to answer things a little off the beaten path. Are you ready for a do-over, sir? I'm ready. Okay. Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... All right. This do-over comes courtesy of me <laughs> because it drove me nuts. We've talked about the Jay Stadium ops before. I believe last year in the postseason, you played some quips that the... Cleveland guys had about the Jays having four sound effects or something like that. <laughs> Their timing with musical or sound cues is awful. Just terrible. <laughs> On Canada Day, I think I talked about this, the entire crowd was chanting, let's go Blue Jays, and they piped in music, and the crowd couldn't, and then, so the crowd shut up. <laughs> but last night, just I couldn't believe it. So I, I was at the game on... Monday night when the Jays beat the Orioles, uh, was it 3-2? 4-3? Jeez, I was at the game. My memory is no good. Uh, <laughs> but bottom of the ninth, or top of the ninth, rather, Dominic Leone is pitching. He's got two strikes, two outs. The entire crowd is standing and cheering. And the music that gets, or the sound that gets piped in is for the slow building clap. <laughs> it's like, they're already doing it. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Like, yeah, there's no awareness of what the crowd is doing when they try to make the crowd do something, which seems counterintuitive. I I question the whole just the methodology there. First of all, I do not need to hear the Adams family theme ever. Like this is not this the eighties or the nineties or even the early two thousands. Uh second of all, you have Tulo, who has his own custom chant. Maybe if you're gonna throw drop down an audio cue in a high pressure situation with Tulo at bat, maybe put that out there as the actual thing you're going to do, which I do not believe ever happens. Like, <laughs> get a clue. Yeah, but my do over because this is a very specific one. This is about last night. See what the crowd is doing, then pick a sound. <laughs> That's your do over. You do that. We're all good. <laughs> Uh, you promise to look out the little window, wherever it is that you're looking, <laughs> and check whether they're standing up or sitting down or chanting or yeah, and uh, and and we won't ever, <laughs> we won't ever talk about it again. I feel like that's just not a do-over that's going to happen because all the other ones are <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we've had a very good record with people coming on and uh, and admitting their mistakes here. Wouldn't want to break it up with with an unreasonable request like that. The one time we had someone on, you, to admit it, you didn't agree and didn't take it. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't presume to be the first to do anything on this show. <laughs> so, as a last thing, as a part of our main program here, we have to get to the weird and the wonderful. The ESPN Fantasy Podcast, and I do not have a category for this, we might have to invent a what the heck was that category, because... 
they had Stepania Bell, the injury expert, on talking about specific injuries that would affect, you know, players on potentially your fantasy team. And then they had, unbelievably, a man in a skeleton suit shimmy into the set. I'm still... We're going to link to the video on Twitter because there's a couple of them. And then she literally grabbed his hand and she said, it's hurt here in the hand. And then she went, it's a very complex series of bones. But of course, it's a skeleton suit. So it's just a white blob on his wrist that she's gesturing at. <laughs> trying to make clear where he was injured. Whose idea was this, Josh? I have no idea. But it's worth noting. So this done well, this was done entirely straight faced. Stone cold. <laughs> and Matthew Barry but the thing is Matthew Barry, he's the host, and Stefania Bell have been known to do goofy things like this for fun and just totally play it like it's not <laughs> so i'm guessing that was part of it probably it it didn't seem real it, did, it didn't it was really funny they also had again straight faced they had a man in a muscle suit now that's not like a no i mean like the anatomical muscle picture painted on the suit <laughs> and he and the skeleton guy hung out off to the side I don't know what happened. This is on a multi-million dollar network that has computer graphics for everything. And you got skeleton suit and muscle suit guy taking up space. <laughs> oh, but kudos to them for not breaking up. I would have lost it when skeleton guy came on, even if I knew he was coming. I just, I wouldn't have been able to keep it together. For because we never laugh on our show. Oh, no. <laughs> We're very, very professional here. <laughs> Ten seconds and I'm done. Oh, <clears throat> I'm going to take the final thought. You um, can take the first final thought. The first final thought. Well, you're welcome to final thought it up. Darwin Barney slid, slid in quotes last night in, in a play we, we did discuss prior. Like, we did, did we discuss in the podcast? Or was that no, I don't think we actually did. No, we were talking before. Darwin Barney. Got caught up at second base, stopped running when he shouldn't have, started running towards third, and then fell down about a good 10 feet short of third base. Orioles weren't paying attention, so he swam or possibly dodged bullets or something else, and he was saved. I would like to nominate that for the best, worst slide of all time. I've never seen anything that looks so horrible, A, work out with him being safe. And B, the player not getting injured. <laughs> I don't know how he didn't do either of those things. There's a lot of bad slides where the guy's chin takes it or his helmet gets lost or somebody gets it right in the nads. Um, none of those things and still an incredibly bad slide. So that's my nomination and my final thought. <laughs> okay. So one thing I'm kind of, I wish they'd thrown to third. Because as we've established, the greatest movie of all time is Major League. Mm -hmm. And I was just waiting because, you know, Machado would have done this. Come on. <laughs> a little closer. <laughs> yeah. Like they did to William Ace Hayes in the movie when he couldn't slide to the bag. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there are ball players who want to do Major League things. I mean, you know, Escobar and Miguel Cabrera do 
things that verge on that all the time. Yep. <sighs> Did you see Miguel Cabrera holding hands with, uh, who was it the other night? I think it was Urena. He held his hand at first base like he didn't want him to go. <laughs> yeah, I saw the play. I can't remember who it was, though. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Could have been Teoscar Hernandez, too. I know. It was, I'm pretty sure it was one of the new guys. All right. You have a you, final thought. Way, you know Adrian Beltre would have done the major league there, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. me with a final thought. Uh, just a, a goofy thing. Today, the Twins were the first team ever to hit a home run in the first seven innings of a game. Wow. In each of the first seven. Wow. Was that off the Padres? Uh, yes, it was. Feeling for the Padres right now. That's, that's a crazy weird statistic. That's a lot of baseball games to not have that happen. Did they hit yeah. eight or nine or did they stop? I will check for you. While you were they checking. They hit seven. Just seven. <laughs> Just seven. I presume they won this game. 16 nothing. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good day. <laughs> oh my goodness uh, that would mean that we are coming to the end of another podcast which is to say you were Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem and I was Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010 and uh, this was Artificial Turf Wars episode number 74 and we'll talk at you next week mm-hmm.